Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast, where entrepreneurs come to learn how to live their truth, get rich, and make a massive difference in the world. I'm your host, Adam Force, co-founder at Change Creator and co-creator of the Captivate Method. Each week, we talk to experts about leadership, digital marketing, and sales strategies that you can implement in your business and life to go big. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to grab awesome resources that will help drive your business forward. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast Show. This is your host, Adam Force. So today we have a really interesting conversation. Now, you might have heard of Simon Sinek. Uh, Simon Sinek is famous for breaking down the idea of having a why. Um, And he did his TED Talk and he had a couple books. And one of those books was called Finding Your Why. Um, And he had a co-author. He actually had two co-authors with that book. And one of them is David Mead. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing this last name right. Uh, but David is a super sharp guy and, uh, you know, he worked obviously with Simon, um, and as co-author of that book, he's now moved on. He does a lot of keynote talks at different companies and supports different businesses, uh, with, uh, the strategies that they unpack. And, um, he has a new book coming out that we're going to kind of tap into because there's some really great insights that he brings to the table and we're going to work through them. He's going to share some of those details that will help kind of like guide you into uh, taking the right steps for the future of your business and and what that might look like. Uh, so this is a great conversation on leadership uh, that is important in today's marketing world. Now, if you missed the last episode of the podcast, um, we spoke with David Wood. So yeah, another David. David Wood uh, was a really great conversation about mastering your mind and business for progress. He is a coach. He's worked with a lot of coaches, a lot of companies. Uh, He's been highlighted in Forbes and all these crazy places. Uh, Tons of experience. So if you missed that call, there's a lot of good nuggets. He takes us through his nine steps that will help you get more clarity in your business uh, and stay on the right direction. So we break all that down in that conversation. Um, All right, guys, make sure you stop by changecreator.com forward slash go big. Get some goodies there and check out the latest content uh, and leave us a review on iTunes. That's always really appreciated. Uh, if there's any way you could ever kind of like return the favor, we share all this content, all this stuff. We would love to hear, have your support uh, with an iTunes review. Obviously this helps us with the rankings and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, just all part of the game here. So your review and feedback is always really appreciated. Uh, all right, guys, we're not going to hold this up anymore. Let's dive into this conversation and talk with, uh, David on this topic. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, David, what's up, man? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you doing today? Hey, Adam, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. You got it. I'm excited to have you here. You got quite an interesting uh, background full of uh, cool experience, uh, ranging from writing books and working with Simon Sinek. So, you know, I want to tap into all this stuff and some of the things that you've been working on. But before we do, uh, I always like to just get a little bit about what are you working on like right now in your current you know, day? Like what's hot for you? What's top of mind? Um, and then I like to get a little background on like what got you there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the, I mean, what I'm working on sort of first and foremost is, uh, is a book that's coming out toward the end of this year, if all goes well. Nice. Um, 
And, uh, you know, also putting some of those thoughts that I'm writing into the book into talks and workshops and, you know, consulting uh, with clients that I'm doing along the way to, to keep learning and, and hopefully making the book better as I write it. Yeah. Awesome. And so tell us a little bit, just a bit about your background so people know like where you're coming from and uh, what you do, but also why you're good at what you do. Sure. So I, uh, I started my career in, in corporate training. Uh, I was in sales training. I wasn't doing sales forever and just couldn't seem to ever get out of it, which I really wanted to do. Cause I I'm, I'm not into sales much, um, in the, in the traditional sense, you know, some people just are so good at it and I was not. So I got into training instead because those who can't do teach as, as we've heard. Um, and so I joined a, a yellow page company back when yellow pages was a thing. Uh, and I was doing sales training and I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing the light come on. Uh, I love giving people, you know, the tips and the tools and, and the resources to be able to be great at what they did and what they wanted to do. Um, the thing that was a bit unfulfilling for me is, you know, as most people know, sales in, in sales turnover is pretty high. And so I would spend all this time and energy and effort training these folks. And then, you know, three to six months later, most of them were gone and they were onto something else. And I, I thought, ah, it's like, it doesn't, I don't know if anything that I did for them actually stuck. Um, and so I, I left, I actually started my own, um, in a completely different vein. I started my own, uh, kitchen and bath, uh, restoration company, um, right around 2007, 2008, you can imagine how that went. Uh, and then, uh, through a, a confluence of events, I ended up as a, as an, as a trainer again, um, leading the sort of the training and development for this little startup, um, in Salt Lake city where I live. Uh, and it was a, a door to door sales company. And, um, through that, I met a guy by the name of Simon Sinek, uh, back in 2009. Um, nobody really know, knew who he was at the time. Many of your listeners may now know who he is, but yeah. he's an author and a thought leader and, uh, ended up, uh, working with him for about 10 years and sharing his ideas, um, through speaking and workshops and uh, a little bit of consulting and then, uh, left, uh, his team in December of, of 2019, uh, right before COVID and, uh, 2020 was a journey, just like it has been for everybody else. Just, you know, sorting things out and, and pivoting and getting to more, you know, online digital stuff, uh, yeah. because the, you know, all the in-person stuff just vanished overnight. No doubt about that. And so I guess, tell me a little bit about what are some things that you learned when working with Simon Sinek? And I always say Sinek and you told, you told me already it's, it's Sinek. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I think the thing that struck me the most, and it's, again, it's something that I already knew kind of going into it, but yeah. um, how important the the human element is to the work we do and to leadership. And I think it's, it's something that we sort of naturally already know as human beings, but when we get into a work environment and we have, you know, all the pressures and the stresses that come along with that, um, whether it be, you know, just figuring out what we're doing as we're starting out our business or hiring new people or, you know, managing projects, all these things, especially if we're, if we're new at what we're doing, yeah. we let all these things get in the way of taking care of the people. And, you know, we, we, we focus more on, <clears throat> excuse me, we focus more on managing the business and we sort of neglect the people. Whereas if we take care of the people, they'll actually take care of the business for us. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned. Yeah. So you, so you have taken a departure from the customers always right <laughs> formula. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes they are and sometimes they're not, but I think what, whatever the situation is, I think, um, and, and this is part of what, what I talk about in the book and maybe we'll dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. 
is whenever we make a decision, how do we keep the human being that's involved or the human beings that are involved uh, top of mind in that decision? Customer may be right, customer may be wrong. Um, we may do something that's good for the company or good for the customer, depending on the situation, but how do we do our best to take care of the human and help them to know and to feel that we're actually taking care of them so that we can you know, continue that relationship? Yeah, I love that. And I, I see more of this mentality um, surfacing as time goes on. You know, we're seeing more of this social entrepreneurship trend, which means the way we think about business and the way we approach it is changing, right? We're, we're putting mm -hmm. more intention behind it. Um, and I think that we're kind of getting back to this idea of rehumanizing our marketing and the way we manage teams, right? I know on our team, it, it has helped. Like everyone talks about sales funnels and the way we talk about that is by saying digital conversations. Cause really it's like you talked about door to door sales. You sit down for an hour, you have this conversation and you're doing the same conversation you do online. So we call it the digital conversation. So we can remember we're talking to people, not clicks, you know, not targets and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It well, makes it's a difference too because in your perception. It, it really does. And I think the, the, the word you just said, the perception is such a big thing. And I, I my, my dear friend, um, Peter Docker has a, a distinction that we use all the time, which is the difference between doing and being Yeah. when you're doing something, you can be really good at what you're doing, but depending on who you're being, when you're doing that thing, it comes what you're doing comes across, across completely differently. So you can talk to a click or you can talk to a human. You can say the exact same words, but what's your perception? What's the perspective that you have in your mind of who you're talking to? Are you talking to a, a revenue dollar or are you talking to a human who has a need, right? You're going to say the exact same words, but the way you show up in the, the environment that you create and how you occur to that person, they can feel it. Yeah. Even if you're saying the exact same thing. Very, very, very good point. I'm glad you said that. I mean, you think about uh, when you're young and you're just dude, you're in high school and you're trying to, you know, date a girl, right? You can right. go there and reek of desperation <laughs> <laughs> or you can be very confident and it, it, it comes off. You could say the same things, but one right. way is going to work well and the other way is not, right? Right. And we've never done that, by the way, Adam, have we? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, um. <laughs> I'm Adam. Gotta go. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It, it, you know, and I love seeing it uh, go in this direction. This is something that I feel with the internet boom has been kind of, it's, it's been derailed, right? Mm -hmm. Since that has happened, it's all about quick bait, who can get the most like clicks and the, all these things. And it just had this quick shift, but that has, I think, caused a lot of red flags in people's minds as buyers and mm -hmm. consumers and things like that. Um, so now we have to navigate those things, you know, pop up sure. lockers. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think of a, you know, I mean, like, like you said, the, the online thing has sort of derailed everything. I think um, of one company that just popped into my mind that has been doing this so well for so long is Zappos. Um, and they were doing, you know, this long before a lot of us were. Um, and I think, and granted, like, you know, they're, they're, they, the traditional way they used to do it was their customer service was over the phone. And uh, now we're doing a lot of stuff, you know, online and through chat and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, even with the, the online commerce uh, platform that, that they were using, they were so good at making sure that they were taking care of the person. And I think you can, it, it's more difficult through chat because you miss the nuance and you miss the tone and you miss the, you know, those things that voice and, and then those nonverbals give you. Um, but we can still do it. We can still show that there's a human on the other side. We can still show that we're not just, 
you know, using a, 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 you know, we're not using just macros or we're not using just the, the things that we send out to everybody. And I think we can really personalize that. And it, it takes more time. It takes more effort. It's harder, but those are the companies I think that really stand out. Those are the people that, um, that will attract that loyalty that, that is so hard to get. I agree a hundred percent. And if you come of that mind, you're not going to send somebody to this maze of automated phone crap that nobody right. wants to go through. Like as soon right. as you hear that, you just want to roll your eyes and be like, F this. I don't want to ask the community. I just want to talk to a person. You know what I mean? <laughs> press one for this, press two for that. Da, 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 da. Circles, you go in circle, circle, circle. Same thing yeah. with the chat bots. Like, you know, when you have some stupid chat bot or somebody right. that really just knows nothing about the company or they're just kind of facilitating a script. Um, you're already saying that you don't care enough about the customer to do it the right way. Cause you're more worried about automation and cost. Right. So right. it's and a major look, difference. I'm not saying that, that automation is not a good thing. I'm not saying that, you know, watching your costs is not a good thing. I'm not saying that you got to right. sacrifice the financial part of your business for the culture part of your business. That's not what I'm saying. I think what so many people think is that we have to sacrifice one for the other. Well, if I, if I really work on my culture and my people, then I'm going to sacrifice the money. Or if I, you know, sacrifice the, the money, if I'm, if I'm going after the money, then I'm going to sacrifice my people. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have both. And there's so many examples of companies that are doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm glad you made that point. Cause you're right. It could be misunderstood. Um, there's always, and, and if you are thinking in this way, with this perspective, you know, and you are taking care of the people like you're saying is so important. Um, you just make different decisions. It doesn't mean you're less profitable, right? So course, it could right. end up that you're more profitable because of those decisions, right? Yeah. And I think the, the, the trap that we fall into is, well, I don't want to call it a trap necessarily, but I think that again, going back to that idea of the perception that we have is if I make a decision that doesn't benefit me right now, it's not the right decision. And I know, especially for, okay. you know, yeah. new companies, companies that are, that are, that have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of desire for growth and they want to, you know, grow and sell or whatever. It's about <clears throat> what can I do right now to maximize profits? What can I do in the short term to, to make things better, especially if we're strapped for cash, especially if we need that revenue coming in, of course, we're going to make those decisions Yeah, and that's okay. But keeping that in balance with what's the long term, what am I really here for? What am I trying to do over the long term? And how is it, how is this decision going to maybe benefit me down the road rather than right now being able to, to have the wisdom to make those sacrifices when it makes sense? Yeah. I think that's a great way to, to, to phrase that up. So I, I I'm curious, you know, obviously the whole why conversation with Simon Sinek is very popular. Um, just getting to that root of why we're, we're doing what we're doing, remembering this intention. Um, Anything, and, and I want to talk about your book. I think you said the, you know, placeholder title is behind the curtain. Um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's anything you took away from the process of Simon Sinek's book that is going to help you with this book. Anything you learned there? From yeah, of course. I mean, you know, the obviously the reason that I joined his team was because I feel very strongly, I still do, of the importance of having that sense of of purpose. Uh, in, in the work that we do. And, you know, look, it, it transcends beyond work. Also, this is not a work concept. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing was that the, the, the reason that we, as a, as a team, when I was working with Simon, the reason we went after businesses was because that's where we, we were going to reach the most people. 
this is not a business concept. This is a human concept, right? And so I think what, what I've taken from that is what is it about just in general, what, it is, what is it about humans that makes us work well together? What is it that, that builds that trust, whether it's at work or whether it's at home between our spouses and our kids or our you know, roommates or friends or whatever it is, it's <clears throat> really what I took from it is what's the humanity that, that we're missing? And so, um, you know, as I, as I dive into this new book that I'm writing, it's sort of at a, at a 40,000 foot view as I, as I sort of take stock of my career, my working life, even, you know, from one of my first jobs when I was 17 at a bagel shop, right. All the way to what I'm doing now, I look back and I see one thing in leadership that I think is more damaging, more potentially damaging than anything else. And I have seen and experienced and observed because I've worked with hundreds of companies over the last decade or so. Um, but one of the things that I've seen and experienced myself over that, you know, these 20, 30 years is yeah. that 30 years. Nope. Not quite that long. Let's still stick with 20. Adam, let's stick with 20 over that 20 years or so is that the thing that's one of the things that's most damaging is when a leader says something, they say they stand for something, say they believe something or enforce something that they don't do themselves, right? They say one thing and then they turn around and do something else, whether that be, you know, enforcing a policy, making sure that all the employees do this thing, but then they don't do it themselves or talking about how important the company values are, but then you see them doing something that's not that. Um, and that, what that does is it, it, it breaks trust. It increases cynicism. Um, you know, it, it does all these damaging things, self-preservation, right? We watch out for ourselves. We can't trust each other. We don't collaborate. So if you're trying to build a business, if you're trying to grow, innovate, uh, collaborate, all these things and, and build trust, and you're doing those kind of things, it doesn't work. The two do not mix. <laughs> And we notice this, you know, we, we see it in big companies, right? There was a VW scandal. There was the Wells Fargo scandal. You see it in, in CEOs. You see it in, you know, entertainers. You see all these people that were putting on this act. And then all of a sudden they get exposed for doing something that they were kind of hiding, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden trust is lost and we, and, you know, we, we, we don't trust them anymore. So, um, and it's easy to point the finger at those examples and say, oh, well, man, that was stupid. I would never do that. But we are all susceptible to it. We all do it, right? And th think about how prevalent it is. We think of the, the the terms that we use or the things that we use to describe it when people do these things, right? We talk about keeping up appearances. We talk about, oh, they're pulling the wool over people's eyes, right? Uh, they're putting on a show. They're being two-faced. All of these things are exactly what I'm talking about, is that we're doing things that are not in line with what we actually stand for, what we actually say that we believe. And so the, this idea that, you know, we're above it, we're not. And we somehow think that we can put up this curtain and that we can hide who we truly are and then put on this performance that is going to keep everybody at bay, right? The issue is, or the problem is that curtain is an illusion. It's not actually there, right? So if we're doing things that are not really in line with who we truly are or what we truly believe, it's going to get found out at some point or other. And the, the scary part is we're not the ones that pull back, pull back that curtain. It's somebody else that does it for us. Right. Yeah. So if you're out there saying something and not being real and not being in integrity with who you are and what you stand for, people are going to find out it's yeah. just a matter of time. Right. So the book gets into this idea of, you know, what's behind the curtain is our character. And we can either choose to intentionally build a strong character or we can just act as a character. 
and hope that that day that the curtain gets pulled back never comes. And yeah. the, the whole idea is that because that, that curtain is an illusion, it's something we create. It's not actually there. Um, the, uh, dang it, lost my train of thought. Do you ever do that? I do it all the time. Uh, anyways. I've been on interviews where somebody asked me a question, I start answering it. And I'm like, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> <What was> the, <laughs> yeah, I never do that. Um, but this idea that, you know, we, if we build a strong character, yeah, it removes the need for the curtain. We don't need to lie fake and right. hide. We're not hiding anything. Right. You kind of got, you kind of like hit what you said before, which is, you know, whether it is blatantly said and you're found out, like you mentioned VW and Wells Fargo, right. Um, yeah. It, it, it may be that blatant, but it also may be just the feeling and the red flag that someone gets and they don't buy from you. Right. Because they totally. things feel off. It's like going to if I say that we are we can help you master your brand. We have a thing called brand mastery. Right. And we help with your design. We help with the user experience, convert more sales, your brand story. But then you go to my website and it's like the ugliest thing ever. Like, right. you know, it's like, wait a minute, yeah. it's not right here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, the, the extreme examples are the easiest ones to see. Right. And yeah. I think the reason that we think, Oh, I don't do that. I would never do that. <laughs> Maybe not, but we're doing it in the more subtle ways, right? We're doing it by, you know, bending the truth a little bit, or we're doing it by, you know, just looking over our shoulder before we do something to make sure nobody's watching. Like the, and, and the thing is, even if nobody's ever watching, when we build and maintain a strong character ourselves, it bothers us. Like we can't let ourselves do it because we know that it's not, not right. We know that we're acting out of integrity with who we are. Well, and this could be a limiting factor for your growth and success in some levels, because you're going to have an internal conflict with things that hold you back. Right. So you're like, yeah, why am I not making more money? Why am I not, you know, uh, growing the team as fast as I thought? And it's you can have internal conflicts around these things that hold you back if you don't know. Sure. You know, it's unconscious. Right. And look, I'm not, I'm not advocating for perfection, right? We're not, the, the goal is not to never do anything wrong. And I think right. what really defines a person's character is what do they do when they get caught doing something that they're not supposed to do? Because we all do, <laughs> you know, people who have, uh, who have not built a strong character, they're the ones that will deny it, justify it, you know, explain it away. The ones that do have a strong character have the humility and are able to see that as a learning opportunity. Like, shoot, I messed up. Yeah. I'm still learning this stuff myself. I'll try to do better next time. Sorry. You know, absolutely. Um, that's what defines character to me. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference to the people you serve because you know, you come out and be like, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, like, and I got, I was intimidated by this. So I said, the, you know, I did it this way, even though I kind of knew I shouldn't, like you just kind of own up. Right. But if yeah. you're not accountable and you're like, you know, some political figures that, you know, just push off and blame every little thing, you're just kind of yeah. like, yeah. Okay, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring that up, but we see that all the time. Right. We see it in, in politicians a lot. We see it in uh, people in the yeah. media all the time, yeah. you know, all the business time. leaders all the time. All the time. Um, and, and the good ones, I mean, I have seen examples of the good ones that come out and say, you know what, gosh, we, we made a mistake, but most of the time because yeah. of fear, because of insecurity, because of, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, whatever we, we just explain it away. It's not my fault. It's, it was something, something else, something external. And that's hey, where listen, I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And one of my favorite books I have over on my bookshelf is by T Harv Ecker. Uh, the, it's something like um, the millionaire mindset or something like that. 
Um, and he says, there's three things you never do. You never complain, blame, or justify, right? Mm, so if yeah, you can cool. kind of lean in, those have been my three roles. And when I learned them, I had them on a sticky note on my mirror and remind myself every day, don't blame, don't complain, and don't justify, just be mm -hmm. accountable. And like one of the, the things I've been really into now, just kind of leaning into where you're going with like character integrity. And I love that you brought that up as part of not just business, but just being a good human, right? Yeah. Um, is we have to first and foremost be honest with ourselves. Like, can you look in the mirror and be honest with yourself, right? Right. And most people yeah. are not doing that. Yeah. And you know, on that note, the th this idea of like, great, how do we then as as leaders or people, and I don't care if you have a leadership position or not, right? The the idea is if you have influence. If you're a parent, if you're an aunt and an uncle, whatever, it doesn't matter if you have an official leadership position, Yeah. but you know, what, what are the things that, that help us to build that strong character so that we don't need that curtain anymore. Um, and I've, I've really, again, as I thought about the great leaders that I've had and the things that they all have in common, they have a lot of traits in common, but I boil them down to three main uh, traits, which are honest, humble, and human. So this first idea is honest. One, can I be honest with myself? Can I look at myself in the mirror and say, and admit my, you know, when I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and the big thing with me for honesty is, am I doing the things I say, am I performing the, 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 the behaviors and the communication that I actually believe in, right? Yeah. That's the crux of what honest is. Um, humble is, is just that it's the ability to drop the ego. Yeah. Which is so hard to do. Right. So hard. And we, like I'm not perfect at this stuff. I never will be right. This is a journey. This is a, a, a daily pursuit that we have to, to go after. Um, but can I admit my own fallibility? Can I learn from my mistakes? Am I humble enough to in the moment when I screw something up to apologize? I can come back and do it three days later. Right. When the emotions are down, but can I do it in the moment? So people really know that I'm sincere about it and, and want to make a change. Um, and then the third thing is human. And this is something that I alluded to before, which is when we make a decision, especially in an early business, when there's so many decisions to be made and we, you know, we're, we're facing things we've never done before. How do we make sure that the human beings who are affected by that decision are at the forefront of our minds? It doesn't mean we're not going to lay somebody off. It doesn't mean we're going to make a tough decision, but we have at least thought about the implication to the human being that that decision will affect. Um, and then along with, with that human element also is how do we pour everything that we have into that person so that they feel valued and valuable? Yeah. yeah. When you build honest, humble, and human, when you have that kind of character as a leader, you will build trust. You will build collaboration. You will make progress. You'll yeah. bring people together. They'll want to be there. They'll feel like they're doing something that matters. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think like that kind of stuff, if you have the patience and you are willing to be consistent with those things, you'll see that progress. Right. Do you have just from writing your book, are there any examples of companies that have I'm curious if there's companies that have had a big turnaround because of leadership that came in and they had these types of practices. Um, like I, I just found like, I have an example, this guy, Art Barter came in and he's like, there was a company that was like a $10 million a year company. 
And he did this thing, kind of like what you're saying. This is servant leadership is what he called it, right? Sure. Being more honest, like humble and like all these like beautiful things that you want to see in somebody. And within like just a few years, like it was four years or five years, he turned it into a $200 million a year company. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, oh, I got to talk to this guy. So <laughs> I interviewed him and that was one example. And it, it jives with what you're saying. It's like, take this approach, give it time. Like shifting a culture is very, very difficult, but -hmm. if you're consistent and you have, you lead by uh, like what you do, right? Like lead by actions and not just like telling people things. Like you said, you got to be a leader by action. That makes a big difference. It does. And you know, the, the, for the last, you know, 10 years or so, as I've been traveling around, most of my interactions with companies have been very sort of short term. It was, I came in for a keynote or a couple day workshop or that kind of thing. Um, and so I know that examples are out there and, you know, most of the examples that, that I lean to are those that people have heard of, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I, there have got to be thousands of organizations out there that we've never heard of before that are doing this exact same thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the younger companies that I worked with, um, and, and this is, I, th- I think what the, the great opportunity, especially for people that are in the, the beginning stages of an organization is this is when you can do it right. This is when you have a chance to, to, to do it right and yeah. keep and then, you know, do it from the ground up rather than having to unlearn all the bad stuff, you know, 10, 15 years down the road and turn it around. What a great opportunity to just do it right from the start. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the companies that were drawn to the work that I was doing, um, were, did have that, their hearts were in the right place. They weren't perfect. They were still making mistakes, but they didn't have to turn things around because they were already sort of on that path. Yeah. And we we do see that. That's a great point. We see that with social entrepreneurs who are starting their businesses. You know, I know a couple who I've interviewed multiple times and we met out at conferences and, uh, you know, he runs a seven figure e-commerce company now and they have that they have started those companies with such good intentions as a business to begin with, but that's also then just the kind of person that they are, that they start managing the team and building the culture that way. And it's just like this mindset of the social entrepreneur says, I want to do something meaningful, right? I want to make people's lives better. That's why I'm starting this business. It brings about a certain type of person too, which tends to be honest and humble and all these things we're talking about. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about that, um, I, I, an example just came to mind, a good friend of mine, who's a real estate agent. I've known him for 20 years. We used to sell cell phones together at AT AT&T, you know, way back in the day, that was where I met him. Right. And then we went our separate ways and he went into real estate and he, we actually ended up living in the same neighborhood for a couple of years. And I remember, you know, back at that time in those early days, he was like, just so driven to build his business. He's, He's like, friends can wait, family can wait. They'll all be there when I get done. And I was like, Ooh, and he built his business and he sold it um, and, you know, had a, had a good exit from it. And a couple of years ago, uh, or specifically um, last year in COVID, I noticed <clears throat> I met up for him, met up with him uh, for lunch and I sensed this real change in him. And we've since been working on a project together for the last couple of months. And, you know, we've, we've had a chance to talk about this, but his mindset has completely shifted. So where for the first several years of his business, it was about, you know, everything else can wait. It's all about my career. It's all about my business. It's all about the money, which he got, he, he got it, but he sacrificed everything else, lost his marriage, 
Um, I'm sure a lot of his friends left. Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to still be his friend, but he has done a complete turnaround where now he realizes, you know what, success means so much more than money to me. Yes, money is a component of it, absolutely. But it's the relationship that I have with my kids. It's the ability that I have now to spend time with them and the freedom that, that this, yeah. this job can create so that I can do things with the people that matter to me. Um, so to answer your question, that's one simple example of one guy who's now building a business that he's got, you know, in a completely different way. Um, and we're actually working on a project together to be able to share these ideas with young entrepreneurs um, that are just starting out so that they can, again, have this shift in perspective as they're starting out as to what success really means. Yes, absolutely. Money can be a component of it, but it can be so much more than that. And that other part is so fulfilling. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and it's sometimes people have to go through that pain in order to learn the lesson that totally. they need to learn, right? So, yeah, yep. you know, we go through struggle um, all our lives. And I that's something I was reading this day. I don't know if you heard of David Goggins, the mm. guy that wrote the book Can't Hurt Me. He was a Navy SEAL. Uh -huh. Oh my God. Talk about mental toughness and discipline. This guy's a, an animal, but mm. he really kind of got me really kind of opening my perspective around how struggle is part of the human process for growth, right? We always say, mm -hmm. don't get out of, you got to get out of your comfort zone, blah, blah, blah. Very cliche stuff. But when you talk about struggle, like that's when you start learning who you are. It's like when you're really in the mix and you're totally. thinking to yourself, like he goes through crazy stuff. And I was just talking to my wife uh, yesterday and I was like, we did a five day backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon. And I was like, it was our first time backpacking. The difficulty mm. was four out of five with high solitude. I was like, I don't know what we're thinking, but we're healthy, you know? <laughs> doing our thing. We trained hard before we went. We wanted the experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you remember we were out there? And I'm like, did you ever have moments out there when you had massive blisters, cuts all of your feet? And, you know, we had several more days walking eight miles a day in a hot sun with a 45 pound bag on your back. I'm like, yeah. did you ever sit there and lay in the tent at night going, what the hell am I doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is when you start thinking I could be home, I could be doing this. And that whole game becomes a choice for you to say, I'm going to keep going or I'm going to check out. Right. And that's right. where this callousing the mind and mental toughness. And we go through this stuff in different forms as entrepreneurs, tough decisions, losing money, losing partners, like all these mm -hmm. things. And it's really up to us to make these decisions and choices that keep going forward. So I love what you said, because I think it, it, it again, it, it reminds me that we're going to get to the other side of this, but the only way you can get to the other, to the other side is the thrashing part, right? You got to thrash to get to the other side. And, you know, I've never done a, a hardcore backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon. However, I will tell you one, like really, 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 um, baby version of that, that I do okay. every day that okay. maybe some of your listeners will, will, will get out of it. So sure. get something out of it. So I, this sounds silly. But every morning for the first few seconds of my shower, it's cold, as cold okay. as the water will get. <laughs> and, and it's again for this, I, this thing of like, this will pass. I'll get through this. It's going to get warm, right? It's hard right now. It sucks right now, but it's going to get warm. Yeah. And that's a daily reminder of when something comes up that I have no control over, when something comes up that is a slog or that sucks or that, you know, a surprise that, I, you know, an unexpected thing that I got to deal with. 
yeah. I'm going to get to the other side. It's warm on like the other that. side. So it's, that's just a daily, simple daily reminder that helps me to, to, to deal with those kind of things. I like it. It's a little, that's a mini like uh, exercise that anybody can really implement. And, and yeah. you know, it's good to shock the nervous system with some of that cold yeah, water. Tony Robbins some... does it. If Tony totally, does it, yeah. then it must be good. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just has this custom cold pool that goes right. down. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not there yet. Like, all right, let me, I'll use the shower. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's a good example though. And 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 we all have to do different things to remind ourselves. But you're right. Like in the the last example I'll give on this topic is like I was like, it's so true. And you can look at whenever I question something about myself or business, I look at life in general and see if it's mm -hmm. consistent in all like areas of life. Um, and so for an example of this would be the butterfly. Like if a butterfly is a caterpillar in a cocoon and you see the cocoon moving and it can't get out, if you open that cocoon for it and take it out, it will die and never become a butterfly. It's mm. only because of the struggle that it builds up the strength and the, and what it needs to become the butterfly. Interesting. How cool is that? I mean, you yeah. just see these things in life replicated in very various forms, you know? Totally. Yeah. Pretty awesome. All right. So listen, if people want to learn more, they want to see like, I don't know your book, when's that supposed to come out? <laughs> You mentioned um, end something. of the year, October or January. We're still all right. Still so towards the end of the year, we got a little time um, yeah. and we'll make a note of it in the show notes. So people uh, know and stuff like that. Um, and right now, temporary working title is behind the curtain for anybody. Where do they learn more about what you're working on and connect and stuff like that? Is there some place they can go? Yeah. My website is davidjmead.com. Uh, you can find me on the socials at DJ. Uh, or sorry, DM propels, uh, P R O P E L S. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess those are probably the best, best ways to find me. Awesome. Well, David, really appreciate you taking the time to chat today, share all your experiences working with Simon and outside of all that and everything else you're doing. The book sounds great. I think it's such an important conversation that you're bringing to the table. So it was fun to dig into that today. Thanks, Adam. Nice talking to you too. Thanks for tuning into the Change Creator podcast. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to get access to free downloads and other great resources that will drive your business forward.